Digital. Student-centered. Creative. Innovation. Imagination. Initiative. Stories that matter. I'm Jo Elliott, and this is Tales of Teaching Online, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us again for Tales of Teaching Online. Um, Today, I'm joined by Molly Dollinger, who is the lecturer Equity First here at Deakin. Welcome, Molly, and thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Excited to be here. Um, So you may remember that in episode 28 maybe 29, 28, um, Chia spoke to Lisa Hanna, our Dean of Students, about um, students as partners. Um, Molly works closely with Lisa um, and she's joining us today to talk to us a bit more about her own journey with students as partners and provide some advice and insights on how to get started. Um, Molly, again, thank you for joining us. Um, Could you start by telling us a little bit about you and um, about your own journey into the students as partners realm? Yeah, sure, Joe. Um, I came across students as partners at the time I called it co-creation when I started my PhD back in 2015 um, at the Centre for the Study of Higher Education at University of Melbourne. I knew um, I wanted a topic that considered what is value in higher education. And essentially, student partnership was love at first sight for me, as there are so many values and value creation that happens through it. Uh, For that PhD, I studied 10 unique case studies of student and staff co-creation, many of which uh, never would have called themselves co-creation per se at the time, which I think really underscores that a lot of university staff have been co-creating with student partners long before we ever called it that. Towards the end of my PhD, uh, I was offered a lectureship at La Trobe University to work with a new uh, provost chancellor at the time, Professor Jessica Vanderlilly. And she was absolutely fantastic in supporting the initiation of student partnership there. Over the three years that I worked there, uh, we continued to grow our programs and what started as a drop-in student training for interested student partners became a whole of university database and recognition system that had over uh, 12 different student leadership programs coordinated underneath that. Uh, I made the decision to come and work for Deakin early in 2021 I've always been really drawn to Deakin as an institution, and there's so many talented higher education researchers here that I've wanted to work with for a long time. But what draws me to Deakin as well is its focus on the future of higher education, including, of course, Cloud Deakin, but thinking about how higher education models are going to change uh, as we, you know, COVID or not, uh, as we develop in the society and as technology grows and so forth. I also really liked the position here as it allows for me to support 27 internal grants for student and staff partnership, which is everything from staff and students co-creating learning resources to co-research projects. Supporting these projects uh, and being in dialogue with both the students and the staff who are going through the experience of partnership, uh, sometimes for their first time, sometimes for their hundredth time, is absolutely the best part of my job. 
uh, I never get sick, even though it sounds corny, of thinking about all the ways partnership unfolds and how we can work towards making partnership business as usual at our institutions. Well, having been aware of your work at Melbourne and La Trobe, I um, have to say I was very excited to hear that you were joining us earlier this year. It is really great to have have you with us with with your passion and expertise in um, co-creation and and student partnership. Um, I was really interested in what you said about um, staff not necessarily thinking about what they were doing as as partnership or or co-creation because I think one of the things that's that's tricky and certainly when I started thinking about student partnership was how do I actually do that how do I get started and and create those those opportunities so thinking about that's not necessarily thinking about it as co-creation and partnership at, at the beginning. What's what's your advice for, for people who are just getting started and thinking about how they might create those opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, it's important for staff to sort of ask themselves two questions when they're thinking about getting involved in partnership. The first is, you know, whether they're truly open to what the outcomes might be because authentic partnership really requires that students and staff negotiate not only how they work in partnership, but also their goals and aims. Of course, I would say that partnership isn't really about the outcomes anyways, it's about the process. So sometimes I get a staff member call me worrying that their project isn't gonna produce the outcomes that they thought. And I say something like, you know, whatever the outcomes you thought you were producing are actually you know, nothing compared to the perspective change that you and your students will carry with you long after the project is done. And that can be a small project. You know, it doesn't have to be co-creating 20 videos together. It can be something as, as small as working on a single learning resource together over a couple of weeks. The second question is time. So it's really frustrating for me when I see staff start up a partnership project when they don't really have the time. And ultimately it ends up being a bad experience for the students and maybe even a bad experience for the staff. Though we see students in this situation too, so not to place all the blame on staff, people just being people. But partnership really does require time. It's a relationship that you have to nurture, you have to get to know each other, set up a plan, do any necessary training, background literature perhaps, you get the idea. It's certainly not an hour a week type of thing. And it's totally unfair for staff to say to students, here's what I want, come back to me in a couple of weeks with a draft, because that's not partnership at all. That's just, uh, that's just homework. So I think it's really important to also think about how you're going to structure your students as partners work in your job. And, you know, with that, consider the support of your teams, the support of your manager, how it's going to be recognized, all of those things, because it is um, it is extra work, absolutely. I think the other thing I would say is to consider what approach of students as partners you're taking. So the Deakin framework, which was created before I got here, is a really useful um, four approach uh, conceptualization, and I'm happy to share that with anyone listening or we can put a link somewhere. A lot of staff jump to co-creation with students in their first project which is one method of student partnership, but there's others as well. Um, Because, you know, if you co-create a learning resource uh, with students and haven't first done 
some of the other approaches perhaps to consider the broader audience of what students need or want, um, what you might be doing is creating a resource that no one's going to use. So maybe before that, staff can consider students as sounding boards or students as influencers, these approaches where students are out there speaking with their peers, providing recommendations, helping to analyze the existing data, things like that. I know that that's less flash, perhaps, than uh, co-creation, but it certainly will ensure that when the time comes to create that video or that learning resource, that it's really fit for purpose. That's great advice. And yes, certainly we can um, post the link to um, that uh, framework on, um, on DTeach. Um, so in terms of actually getting students involved um, and recruiting students, what's, what's your advice there? Do you go big? Do you go small? Do you work with the students who are in your unit at the moment, students you already have connections with? And I note that, um, I mean, your title is lecturer equity first. So um, how, do, how, does, um, how do equity um, considerations play in here as well? Yeah, so student recruitment really depends on the context and the type of projects. So there might be projects where it's more appropriate to recruit students outside of your immediate area subject realm. And then there might be projects where it obviously makes sense to have students who are experiencing, who have experienced a specific subject or a course or something like that. Um, so yeah, it all very much depends. The equity first part of my title is definitely one of the major aspects that drew me to Deakin as well, because I do think that, you know, one of the ongoing issues with student partnership is how do we bring the disengaged or the students who aren't always listened to and aren't always in leadership positions into student partnership and really make that the focus. And a lot of that work is based off Alison Cook-Sather in the United States, uh, who's launched a program for many years now at Bryn Mawr University. And, and her student partnership work is all about bringing equity students into the fold of the university, helping them make decisions and making sure that the university is a really safe space for everyone. Um, and so at Deakin, you know, with the Equity First title, we very much have the opportunity to do that. And I think it is important to always design for inclusion as opposed to, you know, after is it an afterthought or things like that. Um, and so we've been really lucky here at Deakin to start um, to make sure that all of the opportunities, you know, say that we're looking for students from regional rural backgrounds, we're looking for students from low socioeconomic, Indigenous or Torres Strait Islander students, and so forth. The issue with all of that is that, of course, we don't always have the data or the databases, I should say, to identify who these students are, and we probably don't want to anyways. Um, so it is very much a, a self-identification process. And there's a lot of students who don't fit those equity cohorts who still have really valuable perspectives. I mean, my role is um, HEP-funded. And at the moment, HEP only recognizes those three equity categories I just mentioned. It doesn't include um, students with a disability, neurodiverse students, um, students with care responsibilities. And these are like crucial perspectives that we need in higher education going forward. So while I think it's a great place to start, and it is really important to be intentional, especially in the beginning, uh, there's still so many um, avenues to grow from that and so many other perspectives that we need to include. I think that's a, a really important thing to remember. And um, I was at a um, seminar 
believe oh, I'm trying to remember when when it was. It might have been um, the what works or what's needed in higher edu- education. Um, and Andrew Harvey was was talking about equity groups and um, the fact that we often think of um, students in equity cohorts as um, I guess a, a limited part of our student body, but realistically. Um, about 60% of um, our Australian university students sit in at least one of the government-identified equity cohorts, uh, let alone some of the other groups that you were talking about. So by considering their experience, we we really are designing for, for all of our students and, um, and benefiting everybody there. Um, so you talked about in your PhD looking at some um, some case studies of co-creation, and then also you've then done heaps of work at, at La Trobe, um, and since you you've come to Deakin as well, um, are there any cool examples you'd you'd like to share with us of of co-creation and student partnership, or ideas that um, you'd encourage people to explore? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so hard to pick. Um, you know, so many ideas are coming to mind. I'm, I'll, I'll probably share two projects that I'm working on at the moment that I'm really chuffed about that are doing things that um, are different to the things I've done or seen in the past. The first is actually with the Deakin Library to co-create their library strategic plan in 2022. So it's a really cool idea where um, a team of researchers, myself included, will create a series of co-design activities that will inform a packet or a guide. And then staff in the library will then be matched with Deakin students in a one-to-one relationship and go through that packet to collect students' ideas, experiences, and concerns. So it's sort of like an interview process, but with co-design activities instead, and really having the entire library team engaged in the research. And this is a huge passion for me, as I'm always thinking about how we can stress the benefits of partnership to staff as well, because we know that staff involved in partnerships, we see increase in motivation, engagement, sense of purpose in their jobs. And, um, you know, obviously at, at times like this, it's really important to remember that staff also need that sense of belongingness. And it's really powerful for staff, even staff who are facing uh, or student facing in their roles all the time, because it allows them to have a deep and meaningful conversation with a student and and one where they're equally working together to problem solve and collaborate, which is probably very different than perhaps um, help seeking or other types of conversations that they might have with students. Um, The second project also at Deakin is working with some of my friends over at Cradle, the, the research um, center there, aim to create some inclusive assessment resources for students and staff. So in that project, we have five amazing student partners who will be using the CoLab model to run workshops with their peers about what resources are needed and how these assessment resources can be designed. So whenever possible, I really see my role as supporting others to lead I guess, a bit of a a ripple effect. And whether it's staff or students, I want everyone to understand and feel comfortable with participatory design techniques and be able to apply them. And as I think that that's really the way we create a whole of institution change, it can't, student partnership can't sit with one person, it can't sit with one team. It has to be enabling others 
to go and do that work themselves. I love both of those examples and particularly the library one, the idea of having students involved in that strategic planning and shaping what our our services, what our university is going to look like in the future. I mean, yeah, they're, they're who we're here for. So, um, yeah, I, I absolutely love that. That sounds very exciting and um, we might have to do um, another episode later and following up on, on what comes out of um, both of those projects. Molly, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights and advice. Um, before we close, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? Uh, No, I just hope that anyone listening to this uh, feels spurred and supported to do their student partnership project. And and really, it is such a learning process. You start small, um, start with the time that you have, the resources you have, and you build your confidence and go from there. Perfect. Thank you, Molly. Have a brilliant day. Thanks.